Chapters three and four of Love's Bitterest Cup by E. D. E. N. Southworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget Gage. Chapter three. Rosemary. Rosemary, my dear, I wish you would not dance all the time with young Roland Bayard when you happen to be at a party with him," said the grave and dignified Miss Susanna Grandier to the fair little niece who sat at her feet, both literally and figuratively. The early tea was over at Grove Hill and the aunt and niece sat before the fire, with their maid Henny in attendance. Miss Grandier was knitting a fine white lambswool stocking. Rosemary was sewing together pieces for a patchwork quilt, and Henny, seated on a three-legged stool in the chimney corner, was carding wool. "'Why not, Aunt Suki?' inquired the child, pushing the fine silky black curls from her dainty forehead and looking up from her work. "'Because, my dear,' Though you are but a little girl, and he is almost a young man, yet these intimate friendships, formed in early youth, may become very embarrassing in later years, gravely answered the lady, drawing out her knitting needle from the last taken-off stitch and beginning another round. But how, Aunt Suki? questioned the little one. In this way. No one knows who Roland Bayard is. He was cast up from the wreck of the carrier pigeon, the only life saved— he was adopted and reared by Miss Sibby Bayard, and I think, but am not sure, he was educated at the expense of Abel Force, who never lets his left hand know what his right hand does in the way of charity. But Miss Sibby has hinted as much to me. Aunt Suki, he may be the son of a lord, or a duke, or a prince, suggested romantic Rosemary. Or of a thief, a pirate, or convict, added Miss Grandier severely. "'Oh, Aunt Suki! Never, never! Dear Roland! Aunt Suki, I like Roland so much, and I have good reason to like him too, whatever he may be!' exclaimed the child, with more than usual earnestness. "'Oh, oh, oh!' moaned Miss Grandier, sadly shaking her head. "'Aunt Suki, no one ever has the kindness to ask a little girl like me to dance except dear Roland. Other gentlemen ask young ladies.' but dear Roland always asks me, and he never lets me be neglected, and I shall never forget him for it, but shall always like him. Um, 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 softly moaned the stately lady to herself. And Roland told me he was named after a knight, who was without fear and without reproach, and that he meant always to deserve his name, and to be my knight, mine. Dear, 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 murmured Miss Grandier. "'What is the matter, Aunt Suki?' inquired Rosemary, again pushing back her silky black curls, and lifting her large, light blue eyes to the lady's troubled face. "'Rosemary, my child,' began Miss Grandier, without replying to the little girl's question. "'Rosemary, you know the forces are going to Washington next week?' "'Oh, yes, everybody knows that now. "'Antoinette and Elva are going to be put to school there.' "'Yes, everybody knows that, too, Aunt Suki.' "'Well,' "'How would you like to be put to the same school that they are going to attend?' "'Oh, so much, so very much, Aunt Suki. "'I never dreamed of such happiness as that. "'I do so much want to get a good education,' exclaimed the little girl, firing with enthusiasm. "'Well, my dear child, I think the opportunity of sending you to school with Wynnette and Elva, "'and under the protection of Mr. and Mrs. Force, "'is such an excellent one that it ought not to be lost. "'I will speak to my sister Hedge about it. "'and if she will consent to your going, "'I will be at the cost of sending you,' said the lady. 
as she began to roll up her knitting, for the last gleam of the winter twilight had faded out of the sky, and it was getting too dark even to knit. For once in her life Rosemary had forgotten to call for the curtains to be let down, and the candle to be lit and the novel brought forth. For once the interests of real life had banished the memory of romance. But Henny knew what was expected of her, and so she put up her cards, went and lighted the tallow candle, pulled down the window blinds, replenished the fire, and reseated herself on her three-legged stool in the chimney corner. Rosemary recalled to the interests of the evening, went and brought forth the treasured volume from the upper bureau drawer and gave it to her aunt to read. Then she settled herself in her low chair to listen. It was still that long romance of the children of the Abbey that was the subject of their evening readings, and they had now reached a most thrilling crisis, where the heroine was in the haunted castle, when suddenly the sound of wheels was heard to grate on the gravel outside, accompanied by girlish voices. And soon there came a knock at the door. "'Who in the world can that be at this hour, after dark?' inquired Miss Grandier, as Henny arose and opened the door. Odalite, Wynette, and Elva came in, in their poke bonnets and buttoned coats. "'Oh, Miss Grandier, excuse us, but yours was the only light we saw gleaming around the edges of the blinds, and so we knocked at your door,' said Wynette, who always took the initiative in speaking, as in other things. "'My dear child, how is it that you children are out after dark?' inquired the lady. "'We have been making the rounds to bid good-bye to the neighbors. Mamma and Papa went out yesterday, and we to-day. We are going to Washington next week, and we have come to bid you good-bye now.' said Wynnette, still speaking for all the others. "'But who is with you for protection? Who drove the carriage?' "'Jake drove, and Joshua came as bodyguard. But we are so late that I am afraid Mr. and Mrs. Elk and the girls are asleep. They are, my dears, and it is so late that I do not think it right for you three children to be driving through the country with no better protection than Jake and the dog. You must send them home and stay all night here.' "'Then you will have an opportunity of bidding good-bye to William and Molly and the children to-morrow morning.' "'Oh, Miss Grandier, how jolly! I have not spent a night from home for ages and ages and ages,' exclaimed Wynnette. "'But what will Mamma say?' doubtfully inquired Elva. "'I fear, Miss Grandier, that we ought to return home to-night,' suggested Odalite. "'Nonsense, my dear child. You must do nothing of the sort. I will write a note to your mother and send it by Jake,' replied Miss Grandier who immediately arose and went to get her portfolio. If it hadn't been for Miss Sibby Bayard keeping us so long talking about her ancestor, the Duke of England—she means the Duke of Norfolk all the time, but flouts us when we hint as much—we should have been here two hours ago and been home by this time, said Wynnette. Miss Grandier finished her note, put a shawl over her head, and went out herself to speak to the coachman, and send him home to Mondreer with her written message. "'Now take off your hats and coats, and tell me if you have had tea,' she said, when she came back into the room and closed the door. "'Oh, yes, we took tea with Miss Sibby while she told us how a certain Duke of England lost his head for wanting to marry a certain Queen of Scotland,' replied Wynnette. That question settled, the girls drew chairs around the fire and began to make themselves comfortable. Rosemary could not bear to give up her reading, just at that particular crisis, too so she thought that she would entice her company into listening to the story. "'We were just reading. Oh, such a beautiful book,' she said. "'Just hear how lovely it begins.' And she took the book up, turned it to the first page, and commenced after this manner. 
Hail, sweet asylum of my infancy, content and innocence abide beneath your humble roof. Hail, ye venerable trees, my happiest hours of childish gaiety. What's all that about? demanded Wynnette, the vandal, ruthlessly interrupting the reader. It is Amanda Fitzallen, coming back to the Welsh cottage where she was nursed, and catching sight of it, you know, raises fluttering emotions in her sensitive bosom, Rosemary explained, with an injured air. Oh, it does, does it? But she wouldn't hold forth in that way, you know, even if she were badly stage-struck or very crazy, said Wynnette. Oh, I thought it was such elegant language, pleaded Rosemary. But she wouldn't use it. Look here. Do you suppose when I come back from school years hence and catch sight of Mondrier, I should hold forth in that highfalutin style? But what would you say? Nothing, probably. Or if I did, it would be. There's the blessed old barn now, looking as dull and humdrum as it did when we used to go blackberrying and get our ankles full of chigo bites. Lord, how many dull days we have passed in that dreary old jail, especially in rainy weather. I think that would be about my talk. Oh, Wynnette, you have no sentiment, no reverence, no— Nonsense, good-humoredly replied the girl, finishing Rosemary's halting sentence. The little girl sighed, closed the book, and laid it on the table. The style of that work is very elegant and refined, and it is better to err on the side of elegance and refinement than on their opposites, said Miss Grandier, with her grandest air. As I do, every time I open my mouth, but I can't help it, Miss Susanna, I am as heaven made me, as somebody or other said, or ought to have said if they didn't, retorted Wynnette. As it was now bedtime, it became necessary to attend to the sleeping accommodations of these unexpected guests. But first it was in order to offer them some refreshments. Henny was not required to draw a jug of hard cider, or to make and bake hoe-cakes in the bedroom that night. Such orgies were only enacted by the aunt and niece in the seclusion of their private life. But the corner cupboard was unlocked, and a store of rich cake and pound cake, with a cut-glass decanter of cherry bounce, all of which was kept for company, was brought forth and served to the visitors. Meanwhile, Henny went upstairs to kindle a fire in the large double-bedded spare room, just over Miss Suki's chamber. "'Miss Susanna,' said Odalite, while the group sat around the fire nibbling their cake and sipping their bounce, "'I have a favor to ask of you.' "'Anything in the world that I can do for you, Odalite, shall be done with the greatest pleasure,' earnestly replied the elder lady. "'I thank you very much, dear friend, and now I will explain. I promised Lee before we went away that I would go to Greenbushes once a week, to see that the rooms were regularly opened, aired, and dried. I have kept the promise up to the present, but now you know I have to go with the family to Washington. I have no alternative, and for that reason I would like you to be my proxy.' "'I will, with great pleasure, my dear. "'I could not ask you to go every week. "'That would be too much. "'But if you can go occasionally and see that all is right, "'and drop me a note to that effect, "'it will, well, it will relieve my conscience,' "'concluded Odalite, with a wan smile. "'I certainly will go every week, "'unless prevented by circumstances, "'and I will write to you as often as I go "'to let you know how all is getting on there. "'Oh, you are very kind, Miss Susanna.' but I fear you will find it a tax upon your time and patience. Not at all. I shall have plenty of time, and little that is interesting to fill it up with. For let me tell you a secret. I intend to avail myself of the opportunity of your parents being in Washington, to send my little Rosemary to the same school that Wynnette and Elva will attend. Oh, that will be jolly, 
"'Oh, that will be lovely!' exclaimed Wynnette and Elva, in the same instant. "'That is, if Mr. and Mrs. Force will not consider the addition of Rosemary to their party an intrusion.' "'Why, Miss Susanna, how dare you slander my father and mother right before my two looking eyes!' exclaimed Wynnette. "'They will be just set up to have Rosemary. Besides, where's the intrusion I'd like to know? The railroad and the hotel and the boarding school are just as free for you as for me, I should think.' "'Rosemary would board at the school, of course,' continued Miss Grandier. "'So shall Elva and I. "'If Papa could have got a furnished house, "'we should have lived at home and entered the academy as day pupils. "'But you see, as Papa could not get a house, "'he and Mamma and Odalite will live at one of the West End hotels, "'and Elva and I at the academy. "'And, oh, won't it be lovely to have dear Rosemary with us? "'We should not feel half so strange,' said little Elva." "'You will speak to your father and mother on the subject when you go home, Odalate, my child, and I will call on them later. If they will take charge of Rosemary on the journey, and enter her at the same school with yourselves, I will be at all the charges, of course, and I shall feel very much obliged,' said Miss Susanna. "'You may rest assured that Papa and Mamma will be very glad to take charge of dear little Rosemary, not only for her sake and for your sake, but for our sakes.' "'So that we may have an old playmate from our own neighborhood "'to be our schoolmate in the new home,' said Wynnette. "'There is something in that,' remarked Miss Grandier. "'As for Elva and Rosemary, "'they were sitting close together on one chair "'with their arms locked around each other's waist, "'in fond anticipation of their coming intimacy. "'Henny now came in and said that the spare room "'was all ready for the young ladies. "'Miss Grandier lighted a fresh candle "'and conducted her visitors to the upper chamber.' saw that all their wants were supplied, and bade them good-night. Soon after, aunt and niece also retired to bed. But Rosemary could not sleep for the happiness of thinking about going to boarding-school in the city, along with Wynnette and Elva. Early in the morning, William and Molly Elk, their little girls, and, in fact, the whole household, with the exception of Miss Suki, her niece and her maid, were astonished to hear that there were visitors in the house who had arrived late on the night before. They prepared a better breakfast than usual in their honor, and gave them a warm welcome. Soon after breakfast, Jake arrived with a family carriage to fetch the young people home, and also with a message from Mr. and Mrs. Force, thanking Miss Grandier for having detained their imprudent children all night. "'You and Rosemary go home with us, Miss Susanna. There's plenty of room inside the carriage for six people, and we would be only five. Do, now, and let us have this matter of going to school settled at once,' urged Wynnette. Miss Grandier hesitated, even though Elva joined in the invitation. But when Odalite, the eldest and grown-up sister, added her entreaties to those of the others, Miss Suki yielded, because she wanted to yield. The girls then took leave of all their friends at Grove Hill, and entered the capacious carriage, accompanied by Miss Grandier and Rosemary. That is, two of them did. One was missing. "'Where is Wynnette?' inquired Miss Grandier, as she sank into the cushions. "'She is on the box, driving, while Jacob is sitting with folded arms beside her,' answered Odalite. "'It is highly improper. "'You cannot do anything with Wynnette, Miss Susanna. "'She will drive as often as she can. "'And Jacob's presence beside her makes it safe, at least. "'He is ready to seize the reins at any emergency.' "'Yes, but really, really, my dear Odalite.' "'The sudden starting of the horses at a spanking pace,' "'jerked Miss Grandier's words from her lips "'and herself forward into little Elva's arms. "'However, they arrived safely at Mondrier, "'where they were very cordially welcomed by Mr. and Mrs. Force. 
when Miss Grandiere proposed her plan of sending Rosemary with them to go to school with their own children. The lady and gentleman responded promptly and cordially. "'We have not selected our school yet,' Mr. Force explained. "'We wish to get the circulars and personally inspect the schools before we make our choice. But if you leave your niece in our hands, we shall do by her exactly as by our own. I am sure you will, and I thank you for my soul for the trouble you take. I shall sign some blank checks for you to fill out, for any funds that may be required for Rosemary, gratefully responded Miss Grandiere. The aunt and niece, at the cordial invitation of the forces, stayed to dinner, and were afterwards sent home in a wide buggy driven by Jacob. One day later, Miss Grandiere broached to Mrs. Hedge the subject of sending Rosemary to school with Wynnette and Elva Force, at her own, Miss Grandiere's expense. This consultation with the mother was a mere form, Miss Susanna knowing full well that it was the great ambition of Mistress Dolly's heart to send her daughter to a good boarding school, and that she would consider the present opportunity most providential. All the arrangements were most satisfactorily concluded, and by the end of the following week, the forces with little Rosemary in their charge had left Mondreer. CHAPTER Four, AFTER A LAPSE OF TIME It was three years after the forces left Mondreer, and they had never returned to it. The farm was managed by Jesse Barnes, the capable overseer, and the sales were arranged by Mr. Copp, the family agent, who remitted the revenues of the estate in quarterly installments to Mr. Force. The lady from the gold mines remained in the house, taking such excellent care of the rooms and the furniture, that she had gradually settled down as a permanent inmate, in the character of a salaried housekeeper. "'I'm a-getting too old to be bouncing round prospecting with the boys,' "'and so I reckon I had better sit down in this comfortable situation for the rest of my life,' she confided to Miss Baird, one February morning, when that descendant of the great duke honored her by coming to spend the day at Mondreer. "'That's just what I says myself. "'When you knows you're well enough off,' says I, "'you'd better let well enough alone,' says I, "'and not take after them unsettled people "'as are always changing about from place to place, "'doing no good,' assented Miss Baird. "'It's a habit they gibs derselves. "'Deed it is, old mistress. "'Nuffin tall but a habit they gibs derselves,' remarked Luce, "'who had just come in with a waiter, "'on which was a plate of caraway seed cake "'and a decanter of blackberry cordial to refresh the visitor. "'Just like my nephew Roland, "'he was restless enough after Lee went to sea, "'but after the forces left the neighborhood "'and took Rosemary Hedge with him, "'ropes nor chains wouldn't hold that feller, "'but he must go off to Baltimore to get a berth, as he called it. Thanks be to goodness, he got in long of Captain Grandier as first mate. But Lord knows when I'll ever see him again, for he has gone to the East Indies, sighed Miss Sibby. And then she stopped to nibble her seed cake and sip her blackberry cordial. It's a habit he gibs himself, old mistress, deed it is. Nothing tall but a habit he gibs himself, and you ought to try to break him of it, said Luce, as she set the waiter down on the table and left the room. "'Do you expect Abel Force ever to come home to his own house again?' inquired Miss Sibby, between her sips and nibbles. "'Oh, yes, I reckon so, when the gales have finished their edication, but not till then. "'You see, they have a lovely house in Washington, according to what Miss Grandier and little Rosemary Hedge tells us. "'And the children are at a fine school, so they live there all the year until the three-month summer vacation comes round. "'And then, when Miss Grandier goes to Washington to fetch her little niece home, to spend the holidays here,' Why, then, Mr. and Mrs. Force takes their three daughters and go traveling. And this next summer, they do talk about going to Europe, 
but I don't know that they will do it. What I says is that they ought to spend their summers at Mondrier, when a family is blessed with the blessing of a good, healthy country home, says I. They ought to stay in it and be thankful for it, says I. Even while the two cronies spoke, the door opened, and Jacob came in with a letter in his hand. There, that's from the old omen now. I know her handwriting across the room, and now we shall hear some news, said Mrs. Anglesia, with her mouth full of cake. And she took the letter from the negro's hands, and opened it without ceremony, and began to read it to herself, without apology. "'Is it anything confidential?' demanded Miss Sibby, who was full of curiosity. "'No, I will read it all to you as soon as ever I have spelled it out myself. "'I never was good at reading writing, particularly fine hand. "'And if I must say it, the old woman do write the scrimble scramblest fine hand as ever I see,' said Mrs. Anglesia, "'peering at the letter, and turning it this way and that, and almost upside down. "'Presently she began to read, making comments between the words and phrases of the letter.' "'Well, it's Washington City, P Street, N.W., and February 8th. "'Why, it's been four days coming. "'Here, you, Jake. "'When did you get this letter out in the post office?' "'She paused to call the negro messenger, "'who stood hat in hand at the door. "'Why, this morning, in course, old mistis,' replied the man. "'Don't old mistis me, you scalawag. "'Are you sartin you didn't get it Saturday "'and forget all about it and leave it in your pocket until today?' "'Hi, ole, young, mistis, how I gwine to forget when you always ax me. "'No deed, I took it out in de post-office this blessed morning, ole, young, mistis. "'How dare you call me young, mistis, you?' "'What must I call you, den?' inquired the puzzled negro. "'Ma'am, call me ma'am.' "'Yes, ma'am.' "'That's better. "'Well, now, the next time you go to the village, Jake, "'you just tell that postmaster if he keeps back another letter of mine four days, "'I'll have him turned out, do you hear?' "'Yes, ma'am. Well, now you may go about your business, and I will go on with my letter. Yes, ma'am.' The man left the room, and the housekeeper resumed her reading. "'My dear Mrs. Anglesia, I wish she wouldn't pile that name upon me so. If she knowed how I hated it, she wouldn't. I write to ask you to have the house prepared for our reception on the 8th of June. You will know what is necessary to be done, and you may draw upon Mr. Copp for the needful funds. He has instructions to honor your drafts.' The girls expect to grad, gratch, grell, gwal. Lord a mercy, what is this word? Can you make it out, Miss Sibby? inquired the reader, holding the letter under the nose of her visitor. Miss Bayard, who had resumed her knitting after moderately partaking of cake and cordial, dropped her work, adjusted her spectacles, and inspected the word. It's graduate, ma'am. That means finish their edication honorable. Young Lee Force graduated often the Naval Academy, "'before he ever went to sea as a midshipman. "'And my scamp, Roland Bayard, "'graduated off in the Charlotte Hall Academy "'before he ran away and went to sea as a common sailor. "'I suppose these girls is a-goin' to graduate off in the academy "'where they are getting their education, "'and I hope they will do theirselves credit. "'When your parents do the best they can for you,' says I, "'you ought to try to do the best you can for yourself,' says I, "'which is the best return you can make them,' says I.' "'To do the best you can for them, I should think, would be the first thing to think about, and likewise best return to make them. But now I'll go on with my letter. The girls expect to graduate at the academic commencement on the 1st of June. Graduate at the commencement. I thought pupils graduated at the end, after which we expect to come down to Mondrier for the summer, previous to going to Europe. 
I have much news of importance to tell you which concerns yourself as much as it affects us. But it is of such a nature that it had best be reserved for the present. Expecting to see you, I remain your friend, Elfrida Force. So they are actually coming home at last, said Miss Sibby. Yes, actually coming home at last, assented the housekeeper. But look here, what does she mean by that news as she has got to tell me which concerns she and I both? I reckon it must be news of my rascal. Lord, I wonder if it is. I wonder if he's been hung or anything. I hope to gracious he has. And then she wouldn't mention it in a letter, but wait until she could tell me all about it. It must be that. Old oman, my rascal's hung. I reckon it is. When a man lives a bad life, says I, he must expect to die a bad death, says I. Well, I shan't go in mourning for him, that's certain, whether he's hung or drowned. But we shall hear all about it when the folks come home. Lord, why, the place will be like another house with all them young gals in it. I might a knowed something was up t'other Sunday when I heard Miss Grandiere tell Parson Peters at All Faith Church how she and Mrs. Hedge were both going to Washington on the 1st of June. Of course it is to the commencement they're going, to see Rosemary graduate along with the others. "'But to hear em call the end of a thing its commencement takes me,' said Mrs. Anglesia. "'So it do me. And if people don't know what they're talking about,' says I, "'they'd better hold their tongues,' says I. "'Young Mrs. Ingle will be mighty proud to have the old folks and the gals back. "'Lord, how fond she was of them two little gals. "'To think of her naming her two babies after them, the first Wynette and the second Elva.' Let's see, the first one must be two years old. Winnie is twenty-three months old, and Ellie is nine months. But they are both sich smart, lively, sensible children, that any one might think as they was older than that. But I don't hold with children being took so much notice of, and stimulated in their intellects so much. Fair and easy, says I, slow and sure, says I, goes a long way, says I. So talking about their neighbors, as usual, but not uncharitably, the gossips passed the day, at sunset they had tea together, and then Gad brought around the mule-cart, the only equipage owned by the descendant of the great duke, who put on her bonnet and shawl, bid good-bye to her crony, got into her seat, and drove homeward. Well, the old woman has given me long enough notice to get ready for him, but she knows there's a good deal to be done, and country workmen is slow, let alone the niggers who is slowest of all, ruminated Mrs. Anglesia, who resolved to begin operations next day. End of chapter 4